0: Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Thriving in Relationships After Abuse. I am your host, Jessica Laurent. And today, 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 I am so grateful, honored, and ecstatic, using all the big words today, um, about my guest today. I mean, what can I say? I met this woman just... Really really, the universe brought us together I think it was fate We met in a very interesting way It started off um, just some moms That met and had a common goal And now I feel like we are Our souls are tethered You know, you meet somebody And you don't have to know them for very long To know, like, these are my people So this woman, Ashley Lawson Is here on Thriving in Relationships After Abuse today And we are going to talk about her life, her struggles. She is a mom. She is running a dope nonprofit. Um, super talented. All of the things, but she's human, and we, you know, she's she's dealt with some things that a lot of us and a lot of the people who are here in this space have dealt with, and it's a really, really human experience. So, what I'm hoping for. Moving forward with the show is to have stories like we are nothing but an accumulation of stories and our stories inspire our stories, bring lessons to other people. Our story gives perspective and clarity to the people around us. So I want to make sure that people tell their stories. It's like you don't have to live through these experiences for nothing. You know, use that to help somebody else that may be where you were or be where you are now. We can just kind of be here and love on each other and all of that. So you know I start talking too much so with with all of that I want you guys to help me welcome Ashley Lawson.
1: Hey guys.
0: <laughs> oh my god. I'm so glad you're here. Me it, too. It is this is this is delicious, okay? Just super delicious. So yeah, let's let's tell the audience about who you are, and who you are now. Um, so they can you know it's funny when you when people look at you now, when people see you and you know, after abuse and after all the the, the struggles, that's all they see. And so I want them to see you now, and then they, they can have that shocking effect of oh man, like that's what built you, that's what made you who you are. So let's talk about who Ashley is now.
1: Well, <laughs> I'm a mom. Of a bunch of boys. Um, I've had an interesting life that's led me to where I'm at now. And I think, you know, I had a lot of challenges in relationships, navigating through them, figuring out who I was, what my boundaries were, what I wanted from a relationship. I spent a lot of my time in relationships focused on what I could give and what needs I could meet for the other person and didn't concentrate on myself. And so that, you know, leads to struggle.
0: Yes, that that is. I think I think everything you said, somebody could resonate with. And we we unfortunately sometimes we let that define us. But I think um, I know you. I, I see how strong you are. OK, let me say let me sometimes it's hard for us to, to toot our own horns. Let me tell you, Ashley is running an amazing nonprofit called Missouri Prosper here in Missouri. Um, dealing with education reform, some major issues, critical race theory. I'm going to let her tell you about her background and all the places that she has worked. Because when she starts talking, I'm like, oh, you did that and you did this. And she's a mom of five boys. She said a bunch of boys, but it's five of them. And that's a lot. Um, what are their age ranges?
1: My oldest is 13 and my youngest is 18 months. Okay. So you you can see doing that alone. Make it's you wanna tiring. Drink. Okay. want
0: to tiring. tired. I want to drink thinking about that. And then you, you, you run your home, you know, you have to maintain a a marriage and you're running a nonprofit and I know how much work that is. So,
1: um, yeah, let's talk, let's talk about Ashley's story. So I think where I'm at now, I truly believe that every experience I've had was to prepare me for my life now. You know, I have children with differing needs, um, that require a lot. And it means that I have to self care for myself. So, you know, my first relationship, I was 14. He was five years older, and it was not a good relationship. And I think because I was so young, that set me on the path for following those kinds of relationships I think I was constantly trying to fix what went wrong in the previous one with the one I was in now. And so I kept being drawn to the same type of person. Um I was always working hard though. You know that's I've had a strong work ethic. When I was 4 years old, I was collecting chicken eggs and selling them to the local <laughs> cafe because you know, I wanted money. I wanted to buy things for my family. You know, that's one of my love languages is gift giving. I truly enjoy seeing the expression on somebody else's face and the pleasure and joy they get when you can help them with something. And that's part of what brings me fulfillment with the nonprofit I'm working on. So, you know, there's, Always a lot of talk out there about what it is, what we're doing, what we're not doing, what we're about. But really, that nonprofit is to help families. That's it. We want to make sure that, you know, the family is focused on again. We've gotten so far away from the mom and the dad in the household and those being the ones to set the tone for our children. And so whenever I see a parent struggling or, you know, different people that are concerned about the student success or the gap achievement rate or you know what how's my kid going to get into college they don't have good enough grades but we can't you know put them in a tech school for high school because we don't have any around here you know just those different things it truly brings me joy whenever I can help a family feel like okay they've got a goal now they've got something they can work towards and some tangible things they can do to work towards that goal but with that circling back to relationships you know if you're not careful and you don't guard your resources because you're not valuing yourself then there's going to be a whole lot of takers out there that'll take everything you've got and it makes you a target if you're not paying attention For an abuser, because you're the perfect person for them, you will give them everything they need, you'll take all of their crap, you'll believe it, you know, and you'll keep trying to gain that acceptance and that love from them. For sure. You know, you mentioned, and I I think we have
0: this in common, you mentioned um, gift giving Mm -hmm. um, as your love language. You know what I find? I find that women like us, Mm -hmm. or I guess people in general who have suffered abuse, um, it, whether that's physical abuse, psychological abuse, um, emotional abuse, financial abuse, whatever. There is a, an emotional disconnect somewhere.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Especially before the healing has taken place. There's emotional disconnect and, and even after the healing, because the healing is an ongoing process, but we want, to, because we have this hole or because we have this void or because we have this place, this feeling that we want to feel and we don't know how to get there or we we don't feel that naturally or we don't know how to allow allow people to give us that because we have these boundaries and trust issues we give that to other people we Mm -hmm. go out of our way to give or you know have somebody experience the emotion that we want to experience but we don't have a lot of people give people either from the trauma it's like I don't want you to ever feel like I felt And if I can Mm -hmm. help you in that, Mm -hmm. that's where the passion typically comes from. So I find that very interesting. I think that across the board, when you talk to women who have dealt with situations that we've dealt with, they give, 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 because that's where they find their value. And that's where they experience the emotion that the world hasn't given to them. It's very interesting.
1: I think it's also, you know, it's where they find their value but for me, I think it's also I don't want somebody to ever feel the way I felt. And so if I can give you that piece so that you don't have to feel that, I will. Yes. And then on the flip side of that, there are people in your life who are trying to give you love. And when I was in that mindset, I couldn't accept that love because I didn't feel worthy of it. Part of that was my own internal self-talk. And part of that was what I was being told day in and day out. You know, you just kind of start believing that. So then when those people are around you, you're like, no, no, get away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Worthiness, the whole worthiness piece. Um, it really blocks a lot of us from a lot of things. I, I mean, I struggle with the idea of worthiness and money a lot. You know, building mm-hmm. a business and all of that. I'm like, you know, money only comes this way. I'm not worthy of this. I don't work hard enough to, you know, feel like I, I deserve this. But especially, so you said you met um, your your first partner at 14. Mm-hmm. So I was 15. So <laughs> you know, being that young. Like, that's who creates the foundation and the idea of who you are. Like, that's mm-hmm. the point where we build our identities. Like, we're, you know, going into high school or in middle school, and we're trying to, who am I? How do I show up in a world? And all of a sudden, you have this person defining you and, you know, giving you an identity based on how they want to manipulate you. Talk to me about that, that relationship dynamic for a minute.
1: So, I was very naive when we met. I had a very sheltered childhood. I grew up in rural Missouri. I was homeschooled in a very religious family. And so, you know, it was the perfect setup in a lot of ways. And when we, you know, had our relationship, I finally reached my breaking point where I set in my mind a boundary. And if the answer was this I was breaking up with him. If the answer was that, I was going to see it through. So we broke up. And, you know, honestly, the hardest part for me was after we broke up. Because of my current situation, I received so much judgment for that. Mm. You know, by all accounts, I was a good girl, you know, quotation marks right. you know I'm, I'm 14 like dating a 19 year old yeah and um but the the judgment that people gave you and I think that's part of being an abuse too is a lot of times we as a society look down on the abused as You know, and I I thought that myself, you know, like, why don't you just leave if they're not talking to you right? They're taking all your money. They're not treating you right. They're making you feel bad about yourself. Just leave. And so for me, it was that self-talk. But then also, I don't know if it was seeing others judgment on their face or if it was me projecting my own judgment on their faces when they were looking at me. But that was a really hard piece to it as well, is being strong enough to pick yourself up and keep on going and not worry about what's being said around you or how people are judging you or viewing you.
0: Yeah, that I mean, so you pose an interesting question. Was it their judgment? Were they judging you or really was that, you know, the things you were telling yourself Mm -hmm. I know they're judging me look how they're looking I mean we tell ourselves these stories and we fear the worst and we you know this is really a reflection of how you feel about yourself you're judging you know we're judging ourselves in this journey so that was that's interesting another piece that I want to go back to was your upbringing was sheltered Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I find and that's you know as a as a mom of girls Finding a balance between letting them explore, but also protecting them. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of moms, um, you know, some of the my daughter's friends, their moms, super protective. And then when they come to our house, they just want to run wild. Mm-hmm. And so that you find that my, my grandparents, I didn't get to go spend a night at people's houses. I didn't get to go hang out, any of that. The moment that I had a, a little bit of freedom, like just just walking from the bus stop home, That's all I needed. Mm -hmm. That is all I needed. And you go wild. So finding that balance, like for anyone who has children, especially daughters, you have to know that. I know your intentions are good and your strict rules, but curiosity, man, the, the mind wants to know. And we make up these stories about what it means to be in a relationship and what it means to be with boys and blah, 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 blah. And before you know it, it's like, it's, it's game on the moment that we get out into the world. So, Find a balance, find a balance in parenting those girls and building them up and allow these stories to give you insight. Cause maybe, maybe you didn't grow up like that. Maybe you haven't suffered, you know, the kind of abuse that we suffered. Maybe your abuse came later in life and not at 14 and 15. So you don't understand the dynamic, but understanding parenting girls, there is something that we need. <laughs> there is something that we need and there's a balance and there's paths that we have to walk with parental guidance in order to figure that out so that's that's really it's it's really an interesting thing but I do love that you you were strong enough now how long how long was it that you were in a relationship what age did you leave
1: I was 16 a little over 16
0: okay so that's that strength that took me let's see 15 6 7 8 that took me four or five years to to get to the point like you said if you if you say this i'm leaving if you say this then i'll stay that's a tremendous amount of strength do you feel like that decision like you you i know you know you made the right decision but where do you think you got that strength from
1: i think i got that strength i think that strength was inside of me all along Mm. and i didn't know it i think that i had divine intervention as well you know interpret that however you want I think that I felt I was going to be okay but you know what's interesting is even though I was strong enough to leave that relationship I went into another relationship that was even worse abusively because then that reached physical abuse you know so it it was a very hard struggle to keep that strength going of because course. you know then i'm raising small children on my own as well and trying to teach them how to be men and what consent is
0: yeah that's that's a struggle listen i love that and i love that we're gonna go into the next one right after this we're gonna take a break we'll be back in a moment what is uh this is jessica Laurent from thriving your relationships after abuse And the Jessica LaRon show. Listen, if you're listening to Thriving in Relationships After Abuse, what you need to do is go to Facebook and join the Thrive Tribe. This is a space where we can come together in a community we can be vulnerable we can be honest we can be raw we can be authentic this is how we grow we share stories we gather strength from other people when we don't feel like we have it it's going to be raw it's going to be ghetto it's going to be all the things that it needs to be it's there so join me on facebook at the thrive tribe we in there Back, Welcome back. Welcome back. If you are just joining me here, this is Thriving in Relationships After Abuse. I am your host Jessica Laurent. I am so glad that you decided to tune in with me today because I am here with Ashley Lawson, one of my very good friends, my soul sister. We are tethered. <laughs> And the heart. And we've just been talking about her journey. She is a mom. She's a mom that, that has dealt with abuse. She's a mom that has come out of that, who has allowed that to transform her. She's taken that pain and turned it into her power. And I'm very proud to call her my friend. And we've just been talking about the journey, the the first relationship. And now we're going to move into, you know, you make that decision to leave the first one. It's like, but you jump into the next one that ends up being worse and the lessons that come with that. So let's just get back into it.
1: Okay, where do you want to start?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we were talking about the, you know, you you moved from one Mm -hmm. relationship, you were able to have the strength to leave that one. But then you ended up attracting the same or even, you know, even worse than what happened the first time. Let's go into that.
1: So I think looking back now, a lot of that, again, boils back to self-love. I didn't have that love for myself. I didn't think I was worthy of receiving that love from others. And so it's easy to be in a relationship with somebody that takes from you and and doesn't give you that love. Um, You know, that relationship, I justified all the red flags right away, because he had a good story, and he had a nice smile. And, you know, it was interesting. There's a lot of intelligent women and successful women far more intelligent and successful than me that end up in abusive relationships and you always wonder how did they get there but i think it has to be something to do with the way you view yourself Absolutely. or you know like we talk about our inner child sometimes that that little ashley is still talking to you telling you no <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah
0: it's like you feel you you know there is there's is a certain level of validation that you need as a child um and we did a I did an episode not so long ago about attachment styles and you know mm-hmm. filling voids so mm-hmm. the the voice that you don't get. Give- Field and the validation that you don't receive as a child That's typically what you are attracted to when you get older And so if you have somebody that is verbally validating you They may not be living up to you know what they said they would And they may be physically abusing you But if you're looking for st- stability Because you lack stability when you were a kid If this person has financial stability You're going to go towards that Regardless of the other circumstances So it's like you got these six human needs Um, I th- Who was that? Um, Tony Robbins talk about the six human needs and Mm -hmm. it's like if somebody caters to like two or three or more, you're going to attach to that person. And so we have all these needs that weren't fulfilled or we weren't taught how to give it to ourselves. And so somebody feels one of those needs. It's like you could be knocking my head in, but
1: Mm -hmm. I need
0: the stability. So I'm here or I need whatever it is. You
1: become attached. You do. Mm -hmm. You do.
0: You absolutely. And those attachments are toxic so Mm -hmm. what um how old were you when you met the second um i was
1: 23
0: okay what did life look like for you in that moment
1: i was working full-time and i was going to school full-time i was working so that i could pay for my school um i met him he was working at a bar and living with his mom rare flag. right <laughs> <laughs> exactly and i'm like here i'm ignoring it because he always had a good story this is a man that could sell you a dead rose and tell you it's the most beautiful rare thriving <laughs> rose you've a- ever t- an seen an eternal rose <laughs> yes,
0: exactly supposed to be black
1: <laughs> <laughs> instead it's like the last petal in beauty and the beast exactly funny, yeah, you know? yeah
0: yeah
1: but you know, I just believed what he said. And I think that is a lot of times how abusive relationships start as well, is they are very charming. They're very good at knowing what you need, what you need to hear or how you need to feel, mm-hmm. um, you know. They're and predators. Then, right. <laughs> right. And then, you know, I got pregnant very quickly. Um, he left. I didn't hear from him for... A year. Uh, it was actually the first birthday party um, that he came around. And, you know, I had this primal need that this is my child's father. I need to make this work. We need to be a family because this is what's going to be best for my child. Then I got pregnant again. Um, my boss at the time offered to pay for an abortion for me, but I couldn't figure out, I couldn't justify keeping one child and not the other. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like it was that child's fault. That's just my personal belief. And so um, he became violent then physically. Uh, So we parted ways very shortly. It's still really hard for me to talk about because I always think about my sons and how they feel, you know, and I never want to say something that is going to devastate them you know it's it's a hard line to walk but um we ended up you know not being together for that pregnancy either um again it's this primal thing well now i've got two kids with this man i've got to figure out how to make it work but somewhere in my mind even when he proposed and you know i was living in a small religious town I'm they're like, thanks for not having abortion, but you hussy having a baby, you <laughs> right. know, kind it's of like, thing. Yeah, yeah. You can't but win in that situation. No, but I just couldn't bring myself to marry him because I just I think in the back of my mind I always knew this was not going to work out. And so, you know, we had a very unstable, toxic relationship. Um, he came around long enough to eat my food, use you know, my shower, uh, drain my account, steal my stuff and, you know, go pawn it for his drugs. And I'm just trying to shelter my kids and feed my kids and keep things as amiable as possible. For me, when I finally knew enough was enough is, you know, there was a scuffle one night that wasn't unusual. My babies were in bed in the back and we were up in the living room. And, you know, at that time, I was just thinking, I've got to get this man out of here. I just got to get him out. Just got to get him out. You know, he's choking me and everything else. But I'm just trying to push him out. And I finally get him out shut the door and I go and grab the couch pillow and just collapse in the couch and start bawling, crying, Mm -hmm. sobbing in the pillow, trying to be as quiet as I could because I don't want to wake my babies. Well, the next thing I know, my little three-year-old's hand is patting me on the back. Mm -hmm. And so I look up real quick and I'm like, hey, baby, what's wrong? You know, why are you awake? Do you need a drink? And he goes, no, mommy, are you okay? And I go, yeah, I'm okay. Mommies are just sad sometimes. And he goes, did daddy hurt you again?
0: And that's the moment that you That was the moment. You, don't, you, you I'm thought not, you were hiding. I'm not anything.
1: sheltering them from anything.
0: Yeah, this is getting good. We're going to come back after this and get back into the story. What is up? This is your girl, Jessica Laurent, from Thriving in Relationships After Abuse. Hey. If you know someone or you are someone that has a story to share, you have a story of struggle and success. You have a story that will bring somebody to tears. You got a story that's a hot ghetto mess. The world needs to hear it. The world needs to be inspired by your strength, to be humbled by the current journey, to really bring ourselves back to this moment of humility and understand that listen we have been through it but we are dedicated to thriving in relationships after abuse please send me an email at jess at jessica laurent dot com is jess j-e-s-s at jessica com. I want to hear your story. I want to get you on the air. I want the world to hear all about it. Your story is an inspiration. Your daily struggle, your daily strength is an inspiration. Don't let it go to waste. Hit me up. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. If you are just joining me here, this is thriving in relationships after abuse. I am your host, Jessica Laurent. I am joined here by my good friend and soul sister. I hate saying that, but like, so like when I say soul sister, it's like, hey, sister, it's like right. not like that, like, but like you have a piece of my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah we're here with Ashley Lawson she is telling us her story of abuse but also transmuting that abuse and raising sons and those moments that you just know it's like all right, enough is enough we all we all have those moments and if you haven't had that moment if you're listening to this and you're still dealing with abuse trust we are here to lift you up and give you the strength that you need to make that decision it's stories like this that will let you know you can do this you can make it outside of this person regardless of what they're providing for you there is always something better so just know we got you so we were just at the part of the story where one of the babies Mm -hmm. reminded you that we see it Mm -hmm. you think you're protecting us from you we see it all
1: Mm -hmm. so that's when I made the decision that this isn't working for anyone the only person this is benefiting is him and so you know at that point I had always been the financial provider and the stable one. I'd always had the home, the car, the daycare, the job, the food. So, you know, that part of my life was really hard because even though I was working full time, I was still trying to go to school full time. That's when I started taking out student loans to try to make ends meet. That's when I got on food stamps because I wasn't making ends meet. I was getting my bills paid. You know, the way the system was set up, I couldn't qualify for Section 8 housing soon enough. Mm -hmm. The wait list was too long. Now there is a loophole to that. If we're homeless, they'll move us to the top of the list. But then if we're homeless, child services comes in. Of course. So, you know, you're always trying to figure out who do I rob Peter or Paul today? Mm-hmm. And you know, there were many days in there where I literally chose, do I feed myself or do I feed my kids? Yeah. And you know, I fed my kids every time. Of and you know, you just, I think that for me, it was just today I put my feet on the ground. I gave my babies a hug and a kiss. That's it. That's my goal for today. I've accomplished it. Now we just got to go through the motions for the rest of the day. But I think keeping those expectations low on myself is what helped me through it. And, you know, there were a lot of tough questions because he was always in and out. That was his consistency is when's he coming around next. And so, you know, sometimes not a lot, but occasionally they would ask, well, You know, when's he coming again? Or why did he leave? Does he not love me? Mm. And I never wanted my children to feel that pain that it was because of them. And so, you know, I just always said, I'm sure he loves you very much. And I know I love you very much. And I'm here every day. Wow.
0: That I mean, I'm sure plenty of people can relate to almost every single piece of that the the sacrifice you have to make the the self-love that it takes to to be kind to yourself in those moments and have just small basic expectations like get up get up and just survive the day mm-hmm. love on those babies if all you have in that moment is love for those babies you don't have a hundred you know a hundred dollars in a bank to buy them toys or get something extra if all you have is that love in that moment Mm -hmm. use it appreciate it have gratitude for it and build off of it it's not going to always be like that it it feels like it in that moment and the strength and then the position that you take in order to protect those boys and their spirit and their idea of the world. See, Mm -hmm. a lot of times trauma is passed down from our parents based on their perspective and their hurt and their pain. They give us their pain, not intentionally, but they think they're protecting us by saying, or, you know, making sure we don't feel hurt and disappointed. It's like, well, he don't love you. So just get over it. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want you to feel that. So just let it go. But you never did that. It's just like, no, I'm sure he does because At the end of the day, people that have that lack the ability to love people beyond themselves are simply they don't have enough love in their life. They don't know how to experience love. They maybe haven't experienced it in a healthy way and they don't know how to give it. So you never know really where people are.
1: And I think that's it for me. The way that I could process it and get through it and move on was to. Realize that I think he does love them i think he did love me that's the only way he knew how to yes and that wasn't a reflection on me and it's not a reflection on my children but we deserve real authentic genuine love and actually defining what that love is you know being there physically for support being there emotionally to build you up and help you during those hard times. You know, that's what me and my children needed.
0: Of course you need somebody that knows how to give love and has experienced it in a healthy way and can give it in a healthy way. And I think, um, I think you you hit on something really good with the idea that it's like I know that the empathy I know that's not a reflection of me. That is what a lot of us struggle with is we take it personal. You treated me this way because I deserve it. You treated me that you cheated on me because I'm not good enough. You lied to me because you think I'm stupid. It's like no, that's not people. The way people treat you is just a reflection of themselves. It's not just it
1: But it also keeps you stuck in that relationship because either you're holding on to anger and resentment or you're holding on to I need this person to validate me.
0: Yeah, yeah, it it can turn into a horrible cycle. And if you are not an active participant in your growth and healing, you will stay stuck there. Like that's I will say that there were moments where I wanted to be stuck in that feeling. Mm -hmm. that's all I knew how to, and it was normal and I wanted it I would I would think of the horrible things my baby daddy would say to me I would just Mm -hmm. keep thinking of him and I would have that same feeling in that same place in my body that same like twisting of my solar plexus it would just do it and I would just love it I hated it I did, and I would just cry I would just make myself cry just to feel that because that that reminded me of him that was my Mm -hmm. closeness it's like that's the only connection we have and I desperately crave that connection it was kind of sick now that I think about it Mm -hmm. Like what is wrong with you? But that's that's how it was. It's this sick, sick um, connection that we have with people.
1: But I think that's important to remember, you know, because abuse does affect a mental health, and you can be mentally sick and mentally ill. It doesn't mean that you have depression or some type of diagnosis. But when you're in an abusive relationship, it makes you sick. Physically, mentally, emotionally.
0: Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Yeah, I was I was definitely a different person. And it doesn't mm-hmm. take it takes a, a different kind of person to justify the things that people do. But it's really I think a lot of it is just the lack of stability growing up and you miss so much and you're not nurturing. You just don't have the guidance. Um so here we are. You are a single mom of two babies. Mm-hmm. How, what Where did it have to go up from there? Because here we, here we are, <laughs> we are here five. we are with five and, and you live in you know, yep. living
1: life. So, you know, I was I foolishly. But at the at the time, thought it was a good choice to file something through the court because I couldn't keep not eating and food stamps were what they were. And I was working and not not making it. And I honestly thought if I filed something in the court, this is going to make him step up and be a father. They're going to give him a schedule. He's going to follow it. He's going to recognize the importance of being in his children's lives. He's going to recognize the importance of making sure they're fed and have clothes and shoes that fit, you know, all of these things. And so that did, uh, that went interestingly (laughs) Let's just say, say that, so <laughs> then, um, I was actually offered a job uh with the Missouri Attorney General, and so I moved back to Jeff City, which interestingly enough, that's also where he lived, but he balked and scoffed. you know that was such an interesting thing to me is that you couldn't give money to pay your kids food. <laughs> but you could spend all this money on legal fees. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, mm-hmm. that was a hard one for me to see too. And you know, there was trauma involved with my kids as well. And I, I want to respect their dignity, but you consciously made the decision to allow the perpetrator around your children, mm. the same perpetrator that you said did that to you as a child. Yeah, So in my mind, how do I justify that? Because you're literally telling me I have to pick you or my kids because you're picking you, you know, and that was, that was a really hard time as well. That whole period was hard, but you know, I accepted the job. I needed to be in a cheaper place to live. I needed to be around what support I had so that, you know, when I had to work overtime, I had somebody to help me with the kids. And for me, that was my family and friends. So we moved back. Um, I had that job. Uh, It was interesting because the within two weeks of being there, they had lifted the stay. And so I was working in litigation, uh, calling the U.S. Supreme Court clerk at two, three, four o'clock in the morning as we litigated. I came into work at 8 a.m. I left at 8.30 a.m. the next day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm so thankful for the support I had to be able to do that. But I think that working hard has, My kids seeing that has instilled a work ethic in them because, you know, they're young, but they're constantly trying to hustle themselves, you know, and and I think that's great. So it was during that time that I met my husband and we had three more children.
0: Yes, 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 yes. So what I get from that and what I want our listeners to understand is that there is always something waiting for you on the other side. When you make that decision to put yourself and your children, if you have children first, when you make that decision to love yourself enough to leave, then you have to know there's something you just created energy, You know space you just freed up Energy to accept A better part of life and it gets rough Okay it, it gets rough But you have to be open to letting people Help you you have to have enough Vulnerability and kind of decrease That pride because I know I had a lot of pride mm-hmm. I didn't want anybody don't help me I don't want you to know What's going on any of that mm-hmm. it had to get Really bad for me to let, to let People come in and help so Use the support that you have whether that's You know just one friend you know a lot of times we we get caught in that victim status it's like well I don't have this and I don't have that and they'll listen to your story and say well I don't I don't have my mom
1: nearby I don't have my family nearby now you know my mom was working her own self and she has her own obligations so it's not like she was there at every beck and call but I think that if you don't Learn to look for those people and ask for help. I think that's the biggest thing is you do have to humble yourself and admit you need help.
0: Yeah. And then the idea we hold these ideas of what it means to ask for help. We hold this ideas. What is it going to look like? That's what I that's what Mm -hmm. I would do. What do do you think of me if I say I need help? What Mm -hmm. do you think of me if I can't if I can't provide food for my kids like Mm -hmm. you? It's like, dang, you got you really got to be. Uh, A bad parent to not be able to provide food. All your lights are off. Like, oh, what kind of parent are you? Oh, you know, you you put your kids in a bad situation where a dad is abusive. What kind of parent are you? So, just dispelling that and being in this neutral spot and hearing stories like this to say, okay, like I'm not the only one that's dealing with this. This doesn't make me a bad parent. This makes me human. I I fail for the manipulation because these people are super manipulative and they're good at what they do. And I just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time to get a new (laughs) lesson. So we're gonna take. a break and we're gonna have ashley catch us up on how life is now some of the struggles some of the lessons and the triumphs we'll be back in a moment what's up it's jessica laran from the jessica laran show and thriving in relationships after abuse if you are listening to one and haven't subscribed to the other please do so now so if you listen to the jessica laran show go check out thriving in relationships after abuse if you listen to thriving in relationships after abuse go check out the jessica laran show listen I need your support. I need you to share this podcast. I need you to tweet this podcast. I need you to take snippets of this podcast and play it everywhere that you can. Because we, people need to hear this. People need to hear what I have to say. And it's only going to happen through you. Also, if you are not following me already on social media, please hit me up on Instagram at sheisjessicalorant. And I am jessicalorant on Facebook. Do it. Do it now. (laughs) I'll let you get back to the show. Bye. Well, welcome back welcome back welcome back if you are just joining me here this is thriving in relationships after abuse i am your host Jessica Laurent i am here with my good good friend Ashley Lawson she's talking about how she transformed transformed jeez, her <laughs> pain into power she is rocking the mom life super hard right now with five young boys she is killing it she is growing this amazing nonprofit. started off kind of rough she's bounced through several abusive relationships and you know that can take a toll on you she managed to get out of those relationships she's raising these boys they're watching her um let's talk about marriage and maybe some of the internal struggles that we face because again this is thriving in relationships after abuse and I know personally I still have trauma popping up I still have holding ideas about myself and people and there are things we're constantly evolving and it comes back up it doesn't just magically go away it's not like oh yeah now I'm fixed like let's talk about marriage
1: well I think it's hard okay in one word okay (laughs) you know it's hard and it's then
0: not, it's not like the holiday lifetime movie you uh,
1: Right. <laughs> and then you know you add on a young family, a blended family, family with special needs, uh you know, uh somebody that likes to come around and stir up problems. You have financial struggles, you know, you have a lot going on and it feels like the deck the deck is stacked against you. So you know, for me, again, my way of getting through things is my mindset. I can't expect more out of people than what they're capable of. Mm
0: that's hard it like, is hard that expectation child that's killing me right now I mean currently today it's killing me like i I'm, I'm like you know I, are you stupid like, <laughs> like you you don't see this like I, I have these expectations and I think to me they seem reasonable but apparently they're not and having those expectations so I'm working on like a mental transformation right now of saying no like some people just simply aren't there. Yeah. They're just not there. And you got to decide what that means for you. And it's, you know, you got to let them be who they are in that moment and knowing, you know, what's what, what is, I think I did, I did an episode not too long ago about this about growing at different rates. Mhm- um it's like 'cause women I mean we have so many roles, I will say that don't it's not a it's not a man hating session no. like I love me, some men, okay, they have their value, but we have a complicated role, we mm-hmm. deal with the emotions and we balance the house out and we are cooking and we are cleaning and we are have attention- we have attention to details and we're dealing with the schools and the teachers and uh it's a lot, it is a lot, and I think the men you know their their biggest job is just the money hmm and I think as, as partners, we really, you know, there are some things that we need from our partner. Like, I appreciate the stability. I, I appreciate you bringing home the money. But I do need, I want some validation. Mm-hmm. I want you to hear me. I want you to kind of witness how hard this is and maybe acknowledge it every now So there are some things that we need. And oh, when you have the trauma on top of that and it comes up and it's like, oh, man, like I could punch you in the throat right now.
1: Yeah. Um, relationships are hard. So... I think that for me, in those moments of needing validation or having a hard time with expectations, you know, not expecting out more out of people than what they're capable of or not getting the validation you want. I found that when I turned to myself for that, I was able to let it go against him so much easier. Mm. So when I was having a hard time with expectations like I don't get it. I don't understand. I feel like these are manageable expectations (laughs) when I turn inwards and did some self-reflection and realized because by nature, I'm a perfectionist. I'm very competitive. I have very high standards for myself and, you know, anything that I put my mind to or. My brand on, you know, I want to make sure it's done right. But when in those moments I turn to myself and I give myself some of that self-love and some of that break I cut for other people and lower those expectations for myself, then I find it's easier to do it with other people. And it's the same with you know validation. And I mean, it's not like this every day. There are some days where you're still like, "This is annoying. Like, (laughs) can you please stop?" (laughs) You know, real.
0: Like you don't, you don't, you not, you not witnessing my greatness, right? You don't don't see me over here. You don't
1: see me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I think with validation, again, if you're not going to give it to me, well, you know what? If I'm not validating myself, how can I expect anyone else to? That is a fact. I
0: think. I think. That is very important to consider and make sure. I think, okay, because we talk a lot about the knowledge of self, the mastery of self, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm not with the you complete me. This is fifty-fifty. No, I'm trying to be a hundred percent. My goal in my personal life is to make sure I'm a hundred percent. So whatever you yeah. bring to the table is just an addition. So if I'm with you and I'm hundred fifty percent cool, because if you decide that this is not what you want to do, mm, I'm still a hundred percent. So the the personal development
1: piece is absolutely important. I don't need a partner but I want one. That's the difference. And and partner, I think that's a really important piece to it. I don't want or need somebody that I have to take care of that adds on to my plate that takes away more than they give. I want a partner, somebody that gives and takes that when I'm feeling weak, when I'm feeling vulnerable, you can pick me up in those moments. Because when I see that in you, I'm there.
0: Yeah. Instead of that, that codependency, just kind of, you mm-hmm. know, you if if you're not giving me this in this way, then I'm not whole or I am, you know, mm-hmm. I'm in a bad mood and things of that nature. So I do think I do think making sure the individual is whole on their own is extremely important. Um, and it does. Like I was talking about growing at a different rate. Mm-hmm. Some people some people don't even know that they're not whole. Yeah. Which,
1: which sucks. I think there's a lot of people today that don't. No, they're not whole.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know, so I'm I'm hoping at some point I can figure out how to do something to help people do, you know, some Mm self-explorations, what questions to ask to get people to understand that. Um, But I think a lot of it comes down to being vulnerable and honest with yourself. That is an extremely hard thing to do is to be honest with yourself Mm -hmm. about what you're really feeling, what you really need, why you feel the way that you feel. That is like, again, that goes into the understanding and the mastery of self. Everything is like, I talk a lot about self and being selfish. Cause that's all you got. Like when you when you lay down, you have to live with the thoughts that you keep. You have to be mm-hmm. happy with the voices in your head and the decisions that you make. And it's important that you're not a burden to somebody else. Um, yeah, it's all good. This has been also delicious. Um, as I said, Ashley is killing it in this nonprofit. Can we talk a little bit about that so that people can um, join us I know we. I'm sure we have a lot of moms that are. They have school age kids and they may have some some needs that you can meet. And just really, I really want people to hear a quick buzz about it, to know, even with the story you just heard, to take that trauma and pain and turn it into something as powerful as Missouri Prosper um, is absolutely incredible. So let's let's do a Missouri Prosper plug before we leave.
1: So Missouri Prosper is a nonprofit that we started here in Missouri. Um, We had the opportunity to join different national organizations, but we really wanted to focus on Missouri families. Um, You know, in some ways. The relationship can be similar. You can feel a lot of similar feelings where you're feeling frustrated with school because you're trying to open up communication and you're being stonewalled or you don't feel like you're being treated as an equal or, you know, there's struggles with how your child is being treated versus others, you know, especially in the world of special education, there's a lot of disparity. There's a, there's a lot of disparity in discipline, um, you know, curriculum, all kinds of things. And so what Missouri prosper does is we look to be the support for families. We want to help you create effective, communication with your school you know it's one thing to be frustrated but it's another thing to express that frustration in a way that builds the relationship as opposed to tearing it down because it's still a relationship, right? you yeah, got to learn how to communicate. Absolutely. So where can they
0: find you if they want to connect with you in any way?
1: We are on the Internet at MissouriProsper.org. We are also on Facebook at Missouri Prosper.
0: Yes. So connect, reach out. Um, it's It's very important that we have the resources they need. As we said, a relationship is a relationship, and all relationships have to be maintained. So...
1: And, and that's one of our focuses as well is, you know, the public education system works great for the group of students that fit in that box. But for all the students that don't fit in those boxes, we need to give them resources and support as well.
0: Absolutely. Listen, this was great. And we'll be back same time, same place next week. Bye.